I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach, and today we are going to be talking about autism because it's Autism Awareness Month in April, and. I am happy to say for those that I have no idea about autism at all I have no clue about it how we should be approaching it what I need to be knowing about it either so I have a expert with me and we're going to discuss autism so join me in welcoming Devangana to the Habit Coach podcast Devangana welcome Hi thank you so much and I'm sorry about all the technical difficulties we put you through but it's great to be here I am so happy that you are here because you know this is a topic that I've always wanted to know more about but I've never actually known who to ask or looked at it. So Devangana tell us a little bit about yourself and then let's jump into the conversation. Sounds amazing. Okay, so uh this is really great to be here. In 2009, so my mother is a clinical psychologist, my brother is highly gifted like when he was really young, he could he had the memory of, you know, a sponge. He could just remember everything. My dad's very highly creative, artistic. He's a writer. He's a painter. So um, when I was twenty, no, when I was nineteen, I I'd, I'd grown up seeing a lot of kids that my mother worked with who had Down syndrome, autism, just many other needs. So when I was twenty, I had just gotten out of LSR, and I was like, "What should I do? What should I do next in my life?" My parents were just like, "You know, be a happy child, do whatever." And I met this young boy on the spectrum of autism at Vasant Sali School, who just like burst into massive tantrums with the sound of loud music. And and I'd grown up in such a protected, safe environment that that really freaked me out. And they handcuffed him and they took him up to this special room. And I just came home and I was like, I like like my mom was so gentle with all these kids when they came home. I was like, I really want to study autism and understand more about it. So when I started to work with this kid a little bit at home, we, he was non-verbal, so we started to speak in like code language. We'd listen to new bands and do new things, and then I, I just loved like it was the most interesting thing Ashton that I'd ever studied or done. So I said I'm going to go and study autism and intellectual disabilities in neuroscience at Columbia, New York. And my parents were like, you know, who studies this? Like, what is the subject even in India? No one understood it at that time. And that's it. So I went to Columbia in 2009. Um, spent about two and a half, three years there, um, working with kids who just were wired very differently. Um, some of them were very violent. Some were non-verbal. Some uh, just kept doing a lot of repetition constantly. Like there was just like all kinds of behaviors that made them quirky and strange. And just working with them, they had odd obsessions, odd interests. Kids didn't like them. Kids bullied them. And just working with them, I kind of like started to understand the world a lot more. I used to take in kids who were just wired in strange ways into a classroom, and through them, when I started to look at New York, and then I moved to Indonesia, and then I moved to Hong Kong, I started to see that these classrooms that I worked with. We're actually almost like microcosms of the real world, where we see all kinds of people, right? Like every kind of personality. That's what I started to see in my classroom, and it was just really interesting because then I could I started to map their journey according to what I saw in the world. I was like, oh, you could grow up and become like that guy because now that he's grown up, no one thinks he's weird. Or you could go become like this girl because now that she's grown up, no one thinks she's weird. So I just did a lot of this stuff, and it was it was basically what I did with kids with autism for fifteen years. 
Wow. That's so interesting, right? You can actually see a journey for each of these kids taking place. So what is autism? How would you define autism? How would you make us understand autism from a definition point of view and from a real life point of view? Like I'm guessing both of those are, are different. Perfect. What a great question. So many times we go by the bookish definition, which the Diagnostic Statistics Manual 5 just like keeps reimagining and reinventing, right? But what it is, is there are multiple branches that go and meet at a pawn in your brain. So multiple dendrites go and meet at a synapse. Now, kids, usually being kids, can fill the synapse with anything. Some will fill it in with like, Stimming, so they'll like keep like slapping their hands. Some will fill it in with like listening to the same song over and over again. Some will fill it in with like scratching a wall. Some will play with trains. Um, just like some will like get very averse to certain foods and only have certain foods. So you can fill these to spawn with just one thing and ignoring the rest of your global development. So what happens is your brain is just getting enlarged in one direction and it's completely ignoring logic and, you know, everything else. What I do is I, I try to understand this. And what I do is I simply fill this synapse with full knowledge, like you, a primary school teacher would. So I'm like, you want to learn about history, science, politics, news, what trains, machines, artificial intelligence, whatever. So I read a lot. I study a lot. So I teach them that. Now, what is interesting is rebellion comes or conformism comes, right? So many kids that I meet rebel because I teach them all these logical ways of being in the world and they're like, shut up. And then they're going to go and do something totally different, right? Like I teach these girls, you should become a big fashion designer, teach them maths and all of that. And they're just like, no, we're going to be anorexic and now we're going to become supermodels. But like there's some kids who just turn out really good because if I teach them like, you know, go become the best this thing and I'll teach them all the skills, they're very like good kids, go follow directions and they'll go stick to life path. So it's basically where you see some people confirm and some people rebel. And that's how the world works, right? Like some of us just like stick in the usual corporate route and some become like Ashton doctor or, you know, like a yoga teacher or a sex therapist or whoever else. So that's what, that's exactly what kids do. And this rebellion comes from where? Is it like a, is it a personality trait? Is it something that is learned? Is it? It's almost like magnetism, right? Like what are you attracted to and what do you get driven towards that? So it's, it's a very like feeling or logic or whatever at that stage in your life is like, you know, many times you see kids who become doctors and then at age 35 they'll be like actually I don't want to be a doctor I'm just going to start some like really cool film business of my own Mm. so yeah interesting so when you're working with these kids like you said that this is one part of the brain which is hyperactive or where all the focus is being put there how do you teach that part like you said there's one that could be either listening to a song over and over again or scratching a wall how do you get into that aspect and then teach them either life skills or teach them about the world? How does that happen? So what I've done with some kids is I like, I'm a lover of all things because I come from a family which is very shocking to say it rightly. But what I do is if like a child really likes music, I start exploring the music that they like. And I'm just like, wow, like I love the beat here. I love the song here. And then I start to like pull them into some of the music that I like. And then like kind of like just this joint play of, hey, tell me what music you like. This is the music I like. And then we start reading about these musicians. Like, you know, how did 
you know, whatever. Like there's this new musician called Ashish A who's written the song Chanwalia. And I've introduced so many people to him. And I'm just like, he's really good. And all my friends who were really into English music are suddenly like, wow, like Chanwalia is a great song. So kids are like that. That's, that's what I do. Like just kind of from music, get into like reading. Okay, let's read about this guy. Like let's read about Ritzwiz and see what was his life like? Why was he so close to his mom? What was his mom's role in his life? So, so then they start reading and they start writing. I'm like, well, imagine if you had to write about your life, what would it be? So, yeah. And then they start picking up a pen and writing. And and what's interesting is it's almost like as a parent, you could be like, my child is going to become the best swimmer. And you're just like, wow, you're swimming so well. And you cheer them on and you just like me, want to make them excellent at that. So it's almost doubling down on their passion or what they feel is very, very important or what they are focusing on. And then yeah. slowly, slowly diverting it in ways in which they can see a different future, a different idea. Yeah. How would yeah. you find that and, part? And then by the time the child is 16, he's just like, no, you fooled me. Like, sure, I'm good at swimming, but I don't want to become a swimmer. I want to become a lawyer. So, so sometimes that happens to these kids. I'll be like, wow, this is so great. Lovely. Woo-hoo. And then after some time, they're just like, but this is not what I want to do. I want to do something totally different. So, but, but by mistake, they learn life skills. Interesting. How was autism handled or dealt with earlier? Is there a history of the way that autism was basically managed? And how is it changing now? What, what would so the... This is exactly why, because you will totally get it. This is exactly why I want to be on this podcast. So basically... What our world does is, and you and I both know, it survives in capitalism, right? We create multiple industries, right? Like that's how Amazon flourishes. Like you want to buy one shop shampoo, there'll be like 65 kinds of shampoo for curly hair with all kinds of different ingredients and plus points. That's exactly what's happened to autism. People saw it's a problem. Now they've created institutions and institutions and institutions are ambitious about autism, autism rights, autism in you, super moms of autism, like everything, right? Like doctors who are just in the space of autism. And I just say, just kids, teach them, like, and then they become what they become, right? So ABA therapists, floor time, play time. It's insane, like the number of occupational therapists, speech therapists. And, and I'm just like, Whenever there's a, there is a problem, millions of people and industries jump to solutions. And that gives me anxiety. So I'm just like, I don't know any of this. I've studied all of this, but I don't know any of this. I teach them like I would teach any regular child. Like I teach my cat like that. So yeah, so that's the history of autism diagnosed. Hmm. Some smart people are like, let's turn it into an industry. How was it handled even before this industrial part of it like for example 20 years ago 30 years ago what would happen to a child if he was autistic i think like that's when the industry's capitalism and all of this started to come up we became woke we started to understand psychiatry and psychology and all but like at einstein's time einstein was in the sector of autism he got an idea he jumped eureka he jumped around naked in a uh, street and no one really people thought it was odd but they were just like he's a scientist so at like 100 years ago, we just thought they're mad or they're crazy and we didn't do anything. We just shut them out of society. Today, we're just like, we can fix it and we can fix every problem. And here is the 12-step process. And yeah. Oh, so there is no 12-step process. There is no do this, do this, do this that, that you found out. Huh? Sometimes it works. Right? Like mm. on Instagram, I keep seeing things like 21 days after your breakup is a good time to do this. 
then do this hmm. and there are people who just like as a worker like new shadi right like so there are sometimes in life that rules work and that's great and there are sometimes in life rules don't work fantastic we're going to take a quick break see you on the other side welcome back all right let's jump into the conversation so let me understand this a little bit better so like you said that einstein was on a spectrum right when we say spectrum that means there are how would you define the spectrum would it be high performing low performing what would the spectrum be what would the two extremes look like so it's a wide 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 dark spectrum and Elon Musk is on the spectrum of autism. A lot of famous people, that Susan Boyle, Neil Gaiman, they're all kids on the spectrum of autism. What I've seen with kids, Ashton, which is really exciting, is sometimes kids have been really low performing, and all of a sudden they'll just like make a massive leap, right? Like my mom keeps telling me stories about a child who just didn't speak, just didn't speak, and one day she saw a kabooter, and she got really excited, and suddenly she started to speak and jump and dance. So. It's it's a very interesting space because you can sometimes just make big leaps and sometimes you just stay put in it where you are. So it depends on the stimulation, the environment you're in, how much you're pushed. And so, can you tell us a little bit about um, like famous people, like you said, Elon Musk, etc. On 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 what would they what would their autism look like? Is there a journey that we can talk about and how they overcame it? Like how would you yeah. describe that to us? So basically, Elon Musk had to kind of like totally cut his dad out of his life, fight that rebellion, fight that anxiety that he had with his own father to be able to emerge as himself in the world. The same thing you see with many writers like Neil Gaiman or someone like that. Their imagination is so wide and so wild. that sometimes people almost like get paranoid of this this energy this enigmatic imagination that they have and when you actually let them be then it turns into like best sellers and sequels and sequels and all of that steven spielberg i've heard is on the spectrum of autism same thing right like to imagine plots and scenes like that is massive and to be able to do that is just genius so so yeah So, what kind of fields do um, people with autism uh, excel in? Is it an everything kind of a thing, or is it a certain aspect? Everything. I think honestly, everything. Wherever you can, whatever you can, fill your brain in with. Like some of these kids are very right brain, so they they only work with logic. Everything is logical, and sometimes if someone breaks that logical, it's almost like a break in the matrix, right? Like you break that logical flow, and then you're just like. what just happens and then like your emotions start to come in and that's when like vulnerability comes in in a very logical mind and then you again start to work with logic again so it's it's almost like how do you like keep them flowing and then break their flow to see where do they go next and that's that's what is uh, the future of a child with autism fascinating and um yeah So when you start working with a child with autism, a, at what age do we find out that a child has autism? And when do we start working? When is there something as too late? Is there something as too early? How does this happen? So usually by the age of eighteen months to two years is when a parent usually diagnoses there's lack of eye contact, there's less play, which is reciprocal. You just start noticing very odd behaviors. and then what usually parents do is some parents stay in denial which is good but sometimes that can 
hurt a child also because you're scolding them and you're yelling at them instead of you know understanding some parents get overreactive and they give all kinds of therapies all kinds of education everything like very helicopter parenting style and sometimes what i do my approach is when a parent comes to me with a 4 year old who's on the spectrum of autism i'm like koi baat nahi ab hai ab kya kar rahe right and i have fun so then i'm like okay let's listen to nursery rhymes let's play let's eat let's say ghar ghar and they hate it and i'm like but i love all this so i'm going to do it if other you want to come and join me you join me if you don't you don't right so so nothing in the world freaks me out no violence no temper tantrums none of it freaks me out so i stay very like zen and calm through a child's autistic traits and that sometimes just helps me work with them without like really making a big deal of it but there are multiple approaches and multiple approaches work right so so there's no one right way can you It's go just, through a few so that we can understand some of them yeah so i had a boy who was classically on the spectrum of autism and he would constantly practice What? So that's echolalia, right? So he would constantly practice what he wants to say to people. So he had speech, but it was completely learned speech. And when you're speaking learned speech, sometimes like that also becomes like you really get into character, right? So so when he would speak, like I had you at hello, like all of these things, it was very like himself. But um, but like sometimes it wasn't truly what he meant. So people are just like, "Dude, why are you saying this? This is really weird." Mm-hmm. So, so then he got very anxious. He was like, <laughs> "Okay, this is what I've learned from all the films that I've watched, sitting alone in my room." And now that I'm saying it, people are thinking and saying it just for the sake of it, and I don't mean it. And then a lot of his work was trying to explain to them that no, I really mean it. So, uh, what I tried to do was, I'm just like, forget about everything. Like, just forget. Listen to movies. Listen to dialogues. That's how you learn speech. But go out on a date. Just go out and see what happens. So it's the worst that's gonna happen, right? Someone will get bored and just be like, "Sorry, man, I'm a boring person." Or like talk a lot, and somebody will be like, "Oh my god, you're very talkative." So just go and do whatever. So a lot of my work is these children have like copied things from here and there, and they stick to that. And I'm like, that's great. That could get you ahead in life till some point. But then someone will be like, "No, you're like you're." Why are you doing this? This is weird, and that's when like they they get very anxious that should have been caught, and that's what they call like masking. It's like you mask as somebody, and then when you're not that person, people call you out on it. Then you're just like shit now. Then they get anxious. They start to get depressed. They're like, "I'm making a movie. I'm not going to." So yeah. So that's one way. So for example, like I I love what you said. Just go out into the real world and see what happens. Huh. That itself will be very scary for them, right? And that's where I come in because, like, I like I'm a school teacher, so I live in the real world, but I also have friends who are like very famous people, movie stars and directors and big entrepreneurs, CEOs, and all of that, right? So I see that world, but I also like go to buy sabzi and I go sit in my local coffee shop. So I pull in the kids that I work in, and this is exactly what I did in Hong Kong and New York and Indonesia. I was like, we have to be a part of the real world. So let's go to a bank. Let's see what happens there. Like one of my children, he'd been massively traumatized. He was taken out from a foster home, put into another foster home. He was beaten up, traumatized. His trauma had just made him like, like very obsessed with 
food and working out and just all of these things. And then like in the middle of a class, whenever he got anxious, he wanted to jump into push-ups. And I was just like, I love it because I work out. Like I work out every day. So I'm like, everybody, let's go join. I won't take his name, but let's go join Zubair. And let everyone do push-ups in my class, boys and girls. So like, dude, like this is so dumb. And I'm like, it's not dumb. Like I love push-ups. And then we do Spider-Man push-ups, one-hand push-ups. And then it kind of like we started his own workout classes after school. He became like the fitness <laughs> champ of our school. And it just worked for him. And now he's in camps across the world, like doing all these school fitness things. So how do you turn trauma into strength? How do you turn like a break into actually something? And sometimes it just works out. This is such a beautiful story. You know, like, like what you said, how do you take that trauma that is there, your coping mechanism of that trauma primarily because that was the coping mechanism that, that, that you used and turn it into your strength on how you can share this with the world, have people respect you for it as well. Devangana, thank you yeah. so much for coming on the podcast and sharing this with us. And Thank you. Thank you for getting me. How can yeah. people continue this conversation with you? Where can they reach out to I you? I like reaching out. Like, like, honestly, I'm a school teacher. So it's almost like imagine as in like your 8th grade English teacher. Suddenly like people start writing to her. She'll be excited. And I'm like that. Like if anyone writes to me, in any part of the world asking about it I'm like yes sure like I'll chat with you so I'm like I'm, I'm a school teacher with like zero judgments with kids are zero judgments with adults either so anyone can reach out to me I love that energy but but tell me where can they yeah. reach out what, what, what platforms are so you my, on my email or like I just actually my Instagram was private but it's I made it public so like on my Instagram on my email on that those are the two best ways Perfect. Can you just um, spell out your Instagram ID and your email address? My Instagram ID is Devangana underscore M and my email is devangana.mishra at gmail.com and my website Perfect. is Brain Bristles so if anyone wants to go to that. Yeah. Brain Bristles. You're awesome. Yeah, Brain Bristles. Thank you. I'm so happy that we did this. This is really fun. Yeah. Alright, so that was Devangan and we were talking about autism. This was part one. So make sure you join us for part two, where we discuss and share more examples of how amazing autistic kids are and what we can do to support them in their journey. Now, if you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are at IBM Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am at Ashton Doc on Twitter and Instagram. We have a brand new habit coaching online course, quizzes, videos, and a lot more on the website awesome180.com. So check it out now.